Hello, this is Terry Vandermark, also known as Thaddeus Quasar, um, uh, with the latest installment, the seventh and last episode of the story titled The Varied Tongues of God. Um, before I uh, get into the story, though, uh, I'd like to uh, thank all my listeners and, um, you know, encourage them to listen to um, my friends uh, Ailey and Jen's podcast titled Michigan and Other Mayhem. Um, it's, you know, um, it's uh, uh, exciting and uh, uh, entertaining. Um, you get something new, uh, informative. Um, uh, each and every week, and so uh, tune into it uh, if you get a chance. And uh, so let's begin. The Council of the Eight had reconvened. Miratoris was standing next to a bookcase, a bookcase housing the different talismans of the defeated villages. Despite those villages no longer existing, everyone knew the dead did not sleep. There remained a force within each object. From that window, they all could see the bonfire, as if the judgment that golden bridle need to be raised had already been determined, a commonly reached decision. Mayor Roger of Foxstole, twisting the blue knots of his hair, confirmed, certainly we were most fortunate. Had this magic wielder been successful, all the villages in the Northwood would have been obliterated. All the folk that called these villages home would be dead, and all the persons of the Abyssine would be enslaved. We have God to thank, stated Mayor Grincy humbly. God has returned to us, but he asks of us a heavy price. What price might that be? asked Mayor Quitch, peering through his steepled fingers. I'm afraid to ask. Mayor Gordas, the silver bolts streaking beneath his eyes, slid his palms on the surface of the table. We must admit that we intended a falsehood. We must say that we lied, that the pedigree behind the bloody tunic is disingenuous. I know what you are asking, stated Mayor Torres. He knew what Celeste was asking, of sacrifice. Mayor Tendril, his cat eyes flickering, commented, you never fail to surprise me. Golden Bridal has enjoyed a place of eminence among the peoples of the Northwood for centuries. A village of power, of distinction. No one dare cite my village as the source of a lie, but that's how it must be. Mayor Torres looked out through the window of his house, as if the fire itself was burning him. He acknowledged it as much as the people of Errant Compass must have. Those villagers must have blindly accepted it as the decision of the other mayors. The conduct of the people of the Northwood must necessarily change. That defeat may never be possible. Golden Bridal has not once been defeated, but now it will be defeated. Golden Bridal has not once been disgraced, but now it must be embarrassed. Mayor Vaux, with his fashioned red hair, understood. Golden Bridal found itself threatened by belief in God. It sought to replace God with itself. Mayor Torres shook. That lie, 
Mayor Tendril took Mayor Torse's hand. That lie must be your most cherished secret of all. It must be burned to the ground, avowed Mayor Roger. Mayor Tendril shook his head. No, we can't let that happen. Should Golden Bridle be leveled, we would welcome a lot of trouble from the peoples outside the forest. Golden Bridle is widely respected among the people throughout the Abyssine. There would exist a void, and we barely survived the latest void, and that with the people of Golden Bridle among our number. No, Mayor Taurus's home will be marked, stained, that will indicate to visitors the village's baseness and shame. Mayor Roger persisted, but Mayor Taurus must be removed from the Council of the Eight. It is as it has to be. I agree, answered Mayor Lull. That is what the other villagers will want. The scrolls must be removed from Golden Bridal, swore Mayor Gordas. We should have an, an, we should have an in inventory taken. That you, and you alone, Mayor Gordas, know what scrolls are, are where. That knowledge should be in more hands than in yours alone. That being the hope of the younger villages and their leadership. That inventory, stressed Mayor Gordas, the black man smiling broadly, that I keep inside my own head, well, that is the only thing keeping me alive. Were that inventory kept separate, then I would be targeted, as I have been targeted in the past. What of the dwarves' secret? Should it be taken from Golden Bridal and housed in a separate village? If we do that, then we must assure the dwarven lords of its new location, discreetly. The knowledge that it still remains hid is the only thing preventing another civil war among their kind. Mayor Tendril loosened his grip of Mayor Taurus's hand. He smiled, his cat eyes enchanting. As for the others, we will redistribute the scrolls hidden within Golden Bridle. Mayor Valk chuckled, all of them blank. We will entrust them to trusted persons, all of them narcissistic fools. Mayor Quitch fidgeted. Our scrolls? The people outside the Northwood tend to believe in a thing called truth. That is the only distinction that should be made between them and us. It is easiest for us to believe that all we own among us are lies, for it is impossible to defend the truth, impossible to preserve it. What about the elves? inquired Mayor Taurus. They came to Golden Bridal's aid. They've fought off the dwarves. I urged them not to do so, swore Mayor Lull, twirling his curly red hair. I have always had a special relationship with the leadership of the elves, but they are stubborn folk. They won't listen. What do we do? asked Mayor Grincy. No race can be seen to benefit from any alliance with the people of the Northwood. The elves killed King Reddick, stated Mayor Roger flatly, fingering his braided tips of hair. That statement may result in genocide, if not a civil war between the full-bloods and the half-bloods. Mayor Roger snorted. The elves came away from Golden Bridal with the knowledge of the big bear. Tendro glowered at the men. Are you the accuser now? Now that Mayor Taurus be denied that post? Mayor Taurus convulsed violently. I made one accusation, once and that resulted in the first war of the races. It can be said that 
that accusation created the circumstances that allowed for all the civil wars and all the wars of the races throughout the Abyssin. Can you live with such a choice? I am the accuser. I stole my place from Mayor Taurus. He is powerless to take it back, regardless. I approached King, I approached King Postic of the Half-Bloods and told them of the murder of Redrick. But there are good people among the elves. There is so much coming to our aid. Mayor, Tor Mayor Gordis frowned that they were willing to risk at so much is why they cannot walk away from this unscathed. Mayor Taurus frowned. He may have been stripped of some of his powers, but he refused to allow his brethren elves to suffer. What about God? wondered Mayor Taurus. He lives, for now, conveyed Mayor Quich. A new village has been created. I have been there. It's not like any other village. What are you saying? Mayor Taurus shrugged. There is the one mother who is different in qualities from the past one mother. She's stronger, more humane. There are persons who escape the flames of errant compass. But there are other villagers, from Golden Bridal as well as others, from among the eight, but also from among the younger villages. There are others, too, people from outside the wood. Dwarves and men and elves, beasts like goblins and giants and trolls. The undead, instead of serving as slaves, as if they labored, as, as if they harbored hope of being in the gods' embrace. Are you saying God is real? queried Mayor Lull. I'm saying, stipulated Mayor Taurus, that if God did not exist in the past, well, he certainly does now. Sorry, Mayor Taurus, enjoined Mayor Lull. That God does exist is no longer your scroll to bear. My last action, exacted Mayor Taurus, was to throw the scroll that God exists away. He doesn't need a scrap of paper to say he exists. He lives not in some dusty book. He lives in the hearts of the people. Many different persons of rank and race, a bunch of people not 75 strong, in a village with no name, who have God, who make him real in their hearts, in their actions. If what you say is true, commented Mayor Gordis, then the Abyssin has a greater threat than, than anyone, greater even than Kirchall. Mayor Valk took his dagger and placed it on the table. Mayor Gordas nodded. This village threatens this council. But if it were to be overrun by dimwits and cowards, people not totally under his, their own faculties, then the Council of the Eight dissolved in an uneasy silence. As they exited Taurus's home and entered a day, a new day, a day with a special feel to it, one of hope, one of dread. New recruits, whether human or beast, were entering regularly, shucking their past as if they were sodden garments. The undead served as a naked, fearless wall circumventing the unnamed village. Former Mayor Couvray and Mayor Cobalt and Elder Turl were casually lounging by a spring of water. An uncommon spring, it turned out, as it percolated its unquenchable dry dirt. Surrounding the spring, there was a circle of corpses of ants and lizards and birds, their fluffy feathers ruffled by the wind. 
whatever sought to sustain itself with this unusual water found itself slain, burned as if from within. Couvre was watching as Cobalt and Turl played chess. Cobalt smirked as he put Turl's king and queen in a night fork. May I drink of this water? asked Mayor Couvre as Celeste approached. The one mother replied softly, but gaining in authority, Yes, you may drink of the water of that spring. The beast that serves to protect it will allow you to do so. You may drink, but beware, for once you do, there is no dissatisfying your thirst. A fire will be ignited in your belly. There is no end to it, not even in death. What do you say? Mayor Couvre looked at the sunlight as it played in the tumbling waters. He saw a face in those waters, more than a mere reflection. He was seeing himself, but changed, a frightful, unrecognizable figure, something renewed, something even stronger. In the end, he chose not to drink from the fountain. You have chosen wisely, confirmed the one mother to former Mayor Couvre. You are no fool. Only I have drunk the nectar from the bosom of the earth. You may yet choose in the days to come, as I have chosen. Elder Turl extended a hand and grappled the one mother's arm. I have a question, mother. You may ask. Questions may be forbidden throughout the rest of the Northwood, but they are encouraged here. Go ahead with your question. Elder Turl could not look the one mother in the eye. With his eyes burrowed into the dirt, he asked, Why name the village the Bloody Tunic? For it has been widely discounted as a falsehood. Has it? asked the one mother wistfully. That is news to me. No one will choose to believe God is real if it is widely circulated that we purposefully make use of a talisman that proves the lie, and this unapologetically. The one mother peered at Elder Turl with her dazzling emerald eyes. Which do you believe? That the bloody tunic is a lie? That God is a lie? I believe God is real, confessed Elder Turl. That's the only thing that should matter, isn't it? That God is real? Anything else, whether true or not true, it really doesn't matter. The small gathering reflected quietly on this revelation. The one mother added softly, just loud enough to be heard, I made use of the item bloody tunic to demonstrate we are bold, we are fearless, we answer to no other authority. As to whether it disproves God, for the unbeliever, that is inconsequential. Former Mayor Couvre shuddered. It were as though he drank from the spring. He realized the water commanded his actions. Whether he drank from the well or not, he could not stop crying. The one mother stood up. Stand with me, brothers. She instructed them. Slowly they climbed to their feet. Remove your shirts. The villagers complied. One by one they undid the buttons and slid out of their shirts. Mayor Couvre removed the gown he had taken from the undead trooper. Mayor Cobalt had no shirt to remove. As for the one mother, she herself reached between her breasts. She pulled free a sealed scroll. I always marveled at these scrolls. They made us odd, different, brave. I have not once looked inside though I have wanted to, 
since it was first entrusted with, upon, unto me. The others followed her lead. They regarded their separate scrolls as much a part of each of the people of the Northwood as a finger or toe. The one mother extended the palm of her hand. Immediately, a flame kindled there. The woman instructed the villagers, throw your scrolls into the fire. The elf Parvin himself took a step back. He shoved his fist into his pocket. He hesitated, then removed his hand. They're, they blanched. They confess God, they said. They make him real. The one mother grimaced. Only your faith makes him real. And should your faith wane, all the more. When you recover your heart and make him all the stronger. We burn these scrolls. We wake in the villages of the Northwood. Only the faithful ought to have revered power. Only the faithful must be respected. The villagers wept as they destroyed the only remaining substantial tie they had to the Abbasine. They were free to be God's own instruments now. And as the sun set and darkness descended over the Northwood, songs and prayers were uplifted. There was a brave, bold voice in the world, the cry of an infant, something that would be muffled, something something that would not be muffled, something frightful, something of awe and wonder the Abyssinian had not seen in a long time. And that is the end of uh, episode seven of uh, the very tongues of God and the end of the first story of 12 uh, stories of um, that I hope to, to um, broadcast. Uh, the next story, um, which I hope to uh, put a part on, um, uh, will be, um, I hope to, to add that uh, the, uh, so let's see, September um, the 5th or 6th, uh, the title is The, the King of the Northwood. So um, thank you for listening and keep uh, in touch. And uh, thank you. Goodbye. Hello, this is Terry Vandermark, also known as Thaddeus Quasar, um, um, with the latest installment, the seventh and last episode of the story titled The Varied Tongues of God. Um, before I uh, get into the story, though, uh, I'd like to uh, thank all my listeners and, um, you know, encourage them to listen to um, my friends uh, Ailey and Jen's podcast titled Michigan and Other Mayhem. Um, it's, you know... Um, it's uh, uh, exciting and uh, uh, entertaining. Um, you get something new, uh, informative um, uh, each and every week. And so uh, tune into it uh, if you get a chance. And uh, so let's begin. The Council of the Eight had reconvened. Mira Torres was standing next to a bookcase a bookcase housing the different talismans of the defeated villages. 
Despite those villages no longer existing, everyone knew the dead did not sleep. There remained a force within each object. From that window, they all could see the bonfire, as if the judgment that golden bridle need to be raised had already been determined, a commonly reached decision. Mayor Roger of Foxtole, twisting the blue knots of his hair, confirmed, Certainly, we were most fortunate. Had this magic wielder been successful, all the villages in the Northwood would have been obliterated. All the folk that called these villages home would be dead, and all the persons of the Abyssin would be enslaved. We have God to thank, stated Mayor Grincy humbly. God has returned to us, but he asks of us a heavy price. What price might that be? asked Mayor Quitch, peering through his steepled fingers. I'm afraid to ask. Mayor Gordas, the silver bolts streaking beneath his eyes, slid his palms on the surface of the table. We must admit that we intended a falsehood. We must say that we lied, that the pedigree behind the bloody tunic is disingenuous. I know what you are asking, stated Mayor Taurus. He knew what Celeste was asking, of sacrifice. Mayor Tendril, his cat eyes flickering, commented, You never fail to surprise me. Golden Bridal has enjoyed a place of eminence among the peoples of the North Wood for centuries. A village of power, of distinction. No one dare cite my village as the source of a lie, but that's how it must be. Mayor Taurus looked out through the window of his house, as if the fire itself was burning him. He acknowledged it as much as the people of Errant Compass must have. Those villagers must have blindly accepted it as the decision of the other mayors. The conduct of the people of the North Wood must necessarily change. That defeat may never be possible. Golden Bridle has not once been defeated, but now it will be defeated. Golden Bridle has not once been disgraced, but now it must be embarrassed. Mayor Vaux, with his fashioned red hair, understood. Golden Bridle found itself threatened by belief in God. It sought to replace God with itself. Mayor Taurus shook. That lie... Mayor Tendril took Mayor Taurus's hand. That lie must be your most cherished secret of all. It must be burned to the ground, avowed Mayor Roger. Mayor Tendril shook his head. No, we can't let that happen. Should Golden Bridal be leveled, we would welcome a lot of trouble from the peoples outside the forest. Golden Bridal is widely respected among the people throughout the Abyssin. There would exist a void, and we barely survived the latest void, and that with the people of Golden Bridal among our number. No, Mayor Taurus's home will be marked, stained, that will indicate to visitors the village's baseness and shame. Mayor Roger persisted, but Mayor Taurus must be removed from the Council of the Eight. It is as it has to be. I agree, answered Mayor Lull. That is what the other villagers will want. The scrolls must be removed from Golden Bridal, swore Mayor Gordas. We should have an, an, we should have an in, inventory taken. That you, and you alone, Mayor Gordas, know what scrolls are, are where. That knowledge should be in more hands than in yours alone. 
that being the hope of the younger villages and their leadership. That inventory, stressed Mayor Gordas, the black man smiling broadly, that I keep inside my own head, well, that is the only thing keeping me alive. Were that inventory kept separate, then I would be targeted, as I have been targeted in the past. What of the dwarves' secret? Should it be taken from Golden Bridal and housed in a separate village? If we do that, then we must assure the dwarven lords of its new location, discreetly. The knowledge that it still remains hid is the only thing preventing another civil war among their kind. Mayor Tendril loosened his grip of Mayor Taurus's hand. He smiled, his cat eyes enchanting. As for the others, we will redistribute the scrolls hidden within Golden Bridal. Mayor Valk chuckled, all of them blank. We will entrust them to trusted persons, all of them narcissistic fools. Mayor Quitch fidgeted, our scrolls? The people outside the Northwood tend to believe in a thing called truth. That is the only distinction that should be made between them and us. It is easiest for us to believe that all we own among us are lies, for it is impossible to defend the truth, impossible to preserve it. What about the elves? inquired Mayor Taurus. They came to Golden Bridal's aid. They've fought off the dwarves. I urge them not to do so, swore Mayor Lal, twirling his curly red hair. I have always had a special relationship with the leadership of the elves, but they are stubborn folk. They won't listen. What do we do? asked Mayor Grincy. No race can be seen to benefit from any alliance with the people of the North Wood. The elves killed King Reddick, stated Mayor Roger flatly, fingering his braided tips of hair. That statement may result in genocide, if not a civil war between the full-bloods and the half-bloods. Mayor Roger snorted. The elves came away from Golden Bridal with the knowledge of the big bear. Tendro glowered at the men. Are you the accuser now? Now that Mayor Taurus be denied that post? Mayor Taurus convulsed violently. I made one accusation. Once. And that resulted in the first war of the races. It can be said that that accusation created the circumstances that allowed for all the civil wars and all the race, wars of the races throughout the Abyssin. Can you live with such a choice? I am the accuser. I stole my place from Mayor Taurus. He is powerless to take it back, regardless. I approached King, I approached King Postic of the Half-Bloods and told them of the murder of Redrick. But there are good people among the elves. There is so much coming to our aid. Mayor, Tor Mayor Gordas frowned that they were willing to risk at so much is why they cannot walk away from this unscathed. Mayor Taurus frowned. He may have been stripped of some of his powers, but he refused to allow his brethren elves to suffer. What about God? wondered Mayor Taurus. He lives, for now, conveyed Mayor Quitch. A new village has been created. I have been there. It's not like any other village. What are you saying? Mayor Taurus shrugged. There is the one mother who is different in qualities from the past one mother. She's stronger, more humane. 
There are persons who escape the flames of errant compass, but there are other villagers from Golden Bridal as well as others from among the eight, but also from among the younger villages. There are others too, people from outside the wood, dwarves and men and elves, beasts like goblins and giants and trolls, the undead instead of serving as slaves, as if they labored, as, as if they harbored hope of being in the God's embrace. Are you saying God is real? queried Mayor Lull. I'm saying, stipulated Mayor Taurus, that if God did not exist in the past, well, he certainly does now. Sorry, Mayor Taurus, enjoined Mayor Lull, that God does exist is no longer your scroll to bear. My last action, exacted Mayor Taurus, was to throw the scroll that God exists away. He doesn't need a scrap of paper to say he exists. He lives not in some dusty book. He lives in the hearts of the people. Many different persons of rank and race, a bunch of people not 75 strong, in a village with no name, who have God, who make him real in their hearts, in their actions. If what you say is true, commented Mayor Gordis, then the Abyssine has a greater threat than, than anyone, greater even than Kirchall. Mayor Valk took his dagger and placed it on the table. Mayor Gordas nodded. This village threatens this council. But if it were to be overrun by dimwits and cowards, people not totally under his, their own faculties, then the Council of the Eight dissolved in an uneasy silence. As they exited Taurus's home and entered a day, a new day, a day with a special feel to it, one of hope, one of dread. New recruits, whether human or beast, were entering regularly, shucking their past as if they were sodden garments. The undead served as a naked, fearless wall circumventing the unnamed village. Former Mayor Couvray and Mayor Cobalt and Elder Turl were casually lounging by a spring of water. An uncommon spring, it turned out, as it percolated its unquenchable dry dirt. Surrounding the spring, there was a circle of corpses of ants and lizards and birds, their fluffy feathers ruffled by the wind. Whatever sought to sustain itself with this unusual water found itself slain, burned as if from within. Kuvray was watching as Cobalt and Turl played chess. Cobalt smirked as he put Turl's king and queen in a night fork. May I drink of this water? asked Mayor Kuvray, as Celeste approached the one mother replied softly but gaining in authority yes you may drink the water of that spring the beast that serves to protect it will allow you to do so you may drink but beware for once you do there is no dissatisfying your thirst a fire will be ignited in your belly there is no end to it not even in death what do you say mayor Couvray looked at the sunlight as it played in the tumbling waters. He saw a face in those waters, more than a mere reflection. He was seeing himself, but changed, a frightful, unrecognizable figure, something renewed, something even stronger. In the end, he chose not to drink from the fountain. You have chosen wisely, confirmed the one mother to former Mayor Couvray. You are no fool. 
only I have drunk the nectar from the bosom of the earth. You may yet choose in the days to come as I have chosen. Elder Turl extended a hand and grappled the one mother's arm. I have a question, mother. You may ask. Questions may be forbidden throughout the rest of the Northwood, but they are encouraged here. Go ahead with your question. Elder Turl could not look the one mother in the eye. With his eyes burrowed into the dirt, he asked, Why name the village the Bloody Tunic? For it has been widely discounted as a falsehood. Has it? asked the one mother wistfully. That is news to me. No one will choose to believe God is real if it is widely circulated that we purposefully make use of a talisman that proves the lie, and this unapologetically. The one mother peered at Elder Turl with her dazzling emerald eyes. Which do you believe? That the bloody tunic is a lie? That God is a lie? I believe God is real, confessed Elder Turl. That's the only thing that should matter, isn't it? That God is real? Anything else, whether true or not true, it really doesn't matter. The small gathering reflected quietly on this revelation. The one mother added softly, just loud enough to be heard, I made use of the item bloody tunic to demonstrate we are bold, we are fearless, we answer to no other authority. As to whether it disproves God for the unbeliever, that is inconsequential. Former Mayor Couvray shuddered. It were as though he drank from the spring. He realized the water commanded his actions. Whether he drank from the well or not, he could not stop crying. The one mother stood up. Stand with me, brothers. She instructed them. Slowly they climbed to their feet. Remove your shirts. The villagers complied. One by one, they undid the buttons and slid out of their shirts. Mayor Couvray removed the gown he had taken from the undead trooper. Mayor Cobalt had no shirt to remove. As for the one mother, she herself reached between her breasts. She pulled free a sealed scroll. I always marveled at these scrolls. They made us odd, different, brave. I have not once looked inside, though I have wanted to since it was first entrusted unto me. The others followed her lead. They regarded their separate scrolls as much a part of each of the people of the Northwood as a finger or toe. The one mother extended the palm of her hand. Immediately, a flame kindled there. The woman instructed the villagers, throw your scrolls into the fire. The elf Parvin himself took a step back. He shoved his fist into his pocket. He hesitated, then removed his hand. They're, they blanched. They confess God, they said. They make him real. The one mother grimaced. Only your faith makes him real. And should your faith wane all the more, when you recover your heart and make him all the stronger. We burn these scrolls. We wake in the villages of the Northwood. Only the faithful ought to have revered power. Only the faithful must be respected. The villagers wept as they destroyed the only remaining substantial tie they had to the Abbasine. They were free to be God's own instruments now. 
And as the sun set and darkness descended over the north wood, songs and prayers were uplifted. There was a brave, bold voice in the world, the cry of an infant, something that would be muffled, something, something that would not be muffled, something frightful, something of awe and wonder the Abyssinian had not seen in a long time. And that is the end of uh, episode seven of uh, the Very Tongues of God and the end of the first story of 12 uh, stories of um, that I hope to, to um, broadcast. Uh, the next story, um, which I hope to uh, put a part on, um, uh, will be... Um, I hope to to add that uh, the uh, so let's see September um, the fifth or sixth. Uh, the title is the the King of the Northwood. So um, thank you for listening and keep uh, in touch. And uh, thank you. Goodbye.